This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. You guys can be seated and open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, if you are using one of the Bibles in the pew, that would be page 1014. Um, I'm going to be reading from the CSB, from the Christian Standard Bible um, today. If you're using a, an ESV or an NIV, it'll be close um, to that, or if you want to, if you're using your tablet or whatever, and you want to go to your Bible app, uh, and you can go to the CSB, you can you can do that. But what we're going to be doing is looking at the first three verses of chapter two of First Peter. If you're new today, we typically walk through books of the Bible here, and so we're doing that this spring and summer with the book of First Peter. And so we have finished chapter one now, and today we're beginning chapter. Two, and so we're going to look this morning at verses 1 through 3 and talk about hope and healthy growth. The title of this series on 1 Peter is, is Living Hope. How, how do we live out the hope of, of Christ? And today we're talking about growing. How do we, how do we grow in Christ? What are, the, what are the marks of someone who is growing in Christ? Those marks of, of healthy growth. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to look just at three verses this morning, and I'll ask you to, to follow along in, in your Bible as, as, as I read. Peter says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the new life that you give in, in Christ. And when there's life, there's growth. And so we pray that as we look at your word that by your spirit you would help us to uh, examine our own hearts and, and, and lives. Are, are these marks of growth there? Are, are we growing in a, a healthy way as your, as your people? And so Lord, we pray that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, that you would convict us, that we would be on a growth track in Christ in his name that we pray, amen. And there's a story about uh, Augustine, one of the great theologians in the history of the church. And I'm not sure if this story is apocryphal or if it's real. Augustine doesn't mention this in his confessions. And so it could be one of those stories that kind of was kind of passed down and sort of took on a life of its own. But whether it really happened or not, it makes kind of a powerful, true point. And the story is that one night shortly after he became a Christian, that Augustine was walking down the, the street when he, he saw a former uh, mistress that was, was, was walking toward him. And if you know anything about Augustine's story, he had lived a pretty wild 
life before becoming to Christ and just kind of a lot of immorality and, and things like that. He knew it, he knew immediately, like, this is not a, this is a person from my past that I don't need to be around right now. And, and as the story goes, um, she said to him, Augustine, it is I. And he said, but it is not I. And he just kept on walking. And, and whether that's true or, or, or not, the point, the point is true. And that is that, that if we are in Christ, we are new people. And 2 Corinthians 5 uh, and verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. And so if we have been made new, if we are new people, if we've been given a new birth, then growth is a, is a natural. And for the past month or so, I think three out of the last four weeks, we had, we had baby dedications up here as a, a part of our, our service. When you think about those little, those little infants, if there's, if there's healthy life there, what's the natural result of that? They're going to grow, right? And so if we've been given new life in Christ, right, if we've really been born again, then, then, then listen, spiritual growth is, is going to happen. And so what Peter is talking about here are some marks of, of, of healthy growth, in, in, in Christ, some indicators that we've truly been born again and that we're growing in a, in a healthy uh, way. The, the first one that we see here is growth in, in love. Growth in love. So if you want to take notes on the, the, the back of your, your, your bulletin, this would be our, our first point, uh, growth in love. And to see that, I actually want us to go back to part of the text that we looked at last week at the end of, of chapter one. So go back to, um, to, to the end of chapter one of First Peter and let's check out uh, verses 22 and, and, and 23. Peter says, since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Because you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. And so Peter is saying here that because we have been made new, because we've been born again, that one of the marks, one of the indicators that that new life has happened is that we are growing in love. And, and, and growing in love, when he talks about one another, remember, this is written to a church. And so, yes, we're called to you know, love people that are outside the church, obviously, but like that begins in the family of, of God, in our relationships with, with one another. And so a mark of healthy Christian growth is that God is giving us a love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And listen, if that is not happening, then something is radically wrong. It means there, there's, there's some dishealth that's going on in our 
hearts if we're not growing in love. And listen, the Bible is super clear about this. So let's look at a few different uh, texts. They'll be on screen. First uh, John 4 and verses 19 and following says, We love because he first loved us. So our love for one another flows from the gospel. It flows from the love that we have experienced in Christ. Because if we've come to know Jesus, then we have come to know an incredible love. We've come to understand that despite all of our sin, that God loved us so much that he gave his son, that he loved us when we didn't love him. He loved us when we were in rebellion against him. He loved us when we were his enemies. He loved us when our hearts were still cold and apathetic toward Christ. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, that that Christ died for us. And so when we understand how Jesus has loved us and continues to love us, even when we don't deserve it, then what that does is it... It, it produces the kinds of tender hearts that can love other people. Because we understand we are undeserving sinners ourselves. And, and so therefore, it, it enables us to love, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, even when they're difficult to love sometimes. And so he says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Jesus says in in John 13 and verse 35, "By by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, In other words, people are going to know if your faith in Christ is real by the way that you treat one another within the church family, especially. Uh, Let's look at another text from 1 John, 1 John 3 and verse 14. It says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. You know, speaking of death, one of the reasons why the, the early church grew as it did was because the outside world saw the incredible love that believers had for one another. In the first few centuries of the church, there were a couple of terrible epidemics, plagues, that swept across the the Greco-Roman world. And people were just dying by the the scores. Well, in both of these epidemics, typically people could live if they had someone to care for them. The problem is that many people had no one to care for them because their, their friends and sometimes even their families would just desert you know, they, they'd have a friend or a family member that got sick. They were out of there like, well, I don't want to catch that. I'm gone. And they would leave. But it was the Christians who stayed. And the Christians stayed. And they, they, they not only stayed for their immediate families, they stayed for their church family. 
for their brothers and sisters in Christ. They, they would even stay for people who were not yet a part of the church family, but who were alone and who needed care. And so in the early centuries of the church, Christians became known as people who love. People who love in an extraordinary way that just sort of set them apart from other people. What if, what if the church today, what if our church became known as, as people who love in extraordinary ways? And so one mark of, of health, spiritual health, is that we're growing in, in love, okay? Now, let's, let's look at the beginning of chapter two and he talks about growth by subtraction. <laughs> growth by su- subtraction. So maybe you've had the unfortunate experience of being part of a team or part of a group of people where you've got one toxic personality that is sort of dragging everybody else down. You've probably been in a situation like this. Maybe, maybe it was on a sports team or something. Uh, where, you know, you, there was just one person like they're just their problem. Attitude and just you know, uh, and and so or maybe maybe it was in your work life. There's just there's one there's one one person just kind of just always sowing discord and just something things are not right or maybe you've taught school or something like that and there's this one kid uh, and it just they, this one this one child is like just just influencing uh, the others and, and and the whole atmosphere well have you have you ever been in a situation like you know uh, in on a team or in a workplace or or, or a classroom or whatever when that that one toxic person disappears they either they either just they they're removed <laughs> somehow and in some way they're taken out of the picture they're not there anymore and, and have you experienced that feeling of just kind of like there's just sort of a collective <sighs> among the rest of the team and and and, and you, you you begin to realize I, I didn't even it didn't even, I didn't even realize how bad this was, like, like, like how this one toxic person was just affecting the morale of everybody else until they're gone and there's, just, there's this collective sigh and suddenly a morale is better and, and, and people, are, people are happier because of one subtraction. In verse 1 of chapter 2, Peter is talking about growth by subtraction. He, he, he talks about some toxic things that need to be subtracted from our, our lives, doesn't he? Uh, let's look at, um, at, uh, at, at chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Um, Tom Schreiner, who teaches New Testament at, at Southern Seminary, he's written a great commentary on First Peter, says this, the sins listed, and he's talking about the sins in verse one, the sins listed tear at the social fabric of the church, ripping away the threads of love that keep them together. 
And so these things need to be subtracted. We'll look at them one by one. Look at verse, look at verse one. He says, rid yourselves, first of all, of all malice. So malice is ill will. Ill will towards, you know, a brother or sister in Christ. It has no place. Deceit. That would be any lying or, or falsehood. Hypocrisy. Uh, the Greek word here comes from the world of the theater where people would wear, actors would wear masks. It's not about wearing masks around each other, being fake. Um, envy comes from comparing ourselves to other people instead of being content in Christ. And then slander. You know, we usually think of slander as tearing people down uh, behind their back, and, and it is that. And sometimes we think about just saying false things about people behind their back. But, but listen, we ought to have an even higher standard than that. Because the questions that we need to ask is, are not just, hey, is this true, but is it kind? Christ calls us to a higher standard. Not only is it true, but is it kind to say this? Is it necessary to, to say this? If not, then we're, we're entering into uh, slander. And, and look at verse 1 again. He says, rid yourselves of these things. And the, the word there, really, the, the, the word picture from the, the word that's translated as rid, rid yourselves, that Greek word, uh, come, the meaning of it is to, the, the word picture there is taking off soiled clothes. Now, um, I've never been sprayed by a skunk, but just imagine what that would be like. It just kind of like, going past the smell of a skunk on the road, even when you're inside the car with the windows up, right? I mean, imagine what it would be like to be sprayed by one of those critters. Well, let me ask you, how long would it take you to take those clothes off, right? You're sprayed by the skunk. Like those clothes, are you gonna rid yourselves <laughs> of those clothes? In fact, you're never, probably never gonna put them back on. They're, 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 they're gone. They're gonna be tossed, right? And so, Peter is saying here, you know, that when it comes to these things, these toxic things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, these are things that just have no place in, in the church, right? We are to rid ourselves. We are to, we are to, we are to strip ourselves of these things and, and, and toss them, right? That's growth by subtraction, Third, growth by addition. Growth by addition. So in verse one, he's talking about things that we need to subtract from our lives. In verses two and three, he's talking about something that we desperately need to add. What does he say? He says, like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, if you've read 1 Corinthians or Hebrews, you know that there are a couple of passages where milk is used in sort of a negative way. In 1 Corinthians 3.2, the apostle Paul says to the immature Corinthian church, he said, I had to feed you guys with milk and not solid food because you weren't ready for solid food. 
And so their milk is sort of a mark of immaturity. It's the same thing in Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5 and verses 12 and 13. Same, same kind of image where you've got, you've got milk um, instead of meat because people were immature and they couldn't handle meat. That's not the way Peter is using milk here, <laughs> okay? Peter is using milk in a positive way to, to say that if you are healthy in Christ, if you're growing in a healthy way, then a mark of that is that you will crave the word of God the way that an infant craves milk. And so he says like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. I I believe that almost undoubtedly as Peter writes verse three that Psalm 34, eight was in his mind which says taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him? And so Peter is writing here to a church. He's writing to believers. He's writing to people who have tasted of the goodness of the Lord. And, and they've, been, they've been born again. They've been given new life. And now he's saying that a, a, a mark of that new life is is, is growth through the intake of the, the word of God. And so that he says, as believers, we should crave God's word the way that an infant craves milk. Uh, Karen Jobes uh, teaches New Testament at, at Wheaton. She's written another great commentary on the book of First Peter. Um, but she says this about Verses two and three. The wonder of a mother at the birth of her child becomes delight at the readiness of her infant to feed. Any delay at feeding time brings a powerful reaction from the tiny person. (laughs) For an infant, milk is not a fringe benefit. No. For an infant, milk is is life, right? Right? It's their nourishment that they depend on. It's not just sort of an optional add-on. And, and for the believer, that's the word of God in our lives. And this should not be a surprise, right? Because we were given life through the word. How, when, we were, when we were born again, like how did, how did that happen? Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes by hearing and hearing through what? through the word of Christ. And then we saw at the end of chapter one in verse 23, what do we, we see there? It's, it says what? Look back at, at verse 23. He says, because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of, of God. And so we were given new life through the word. At some point, we heard the word of the gospel and the Holy Spirit brought new life. 
He regenerated us, right, through the word. And now that that new birth has happened, we are to grow in God's word. So the thing that gave us life to begin with is also what helps us to grow in Christ. It's, it's, it's the word of, of God. And he says here that we are to desire, or you could translate it even as, 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 as crave, the, the pure milk of the word, as opposed to contaminated. Because contaminated milk could bring sickness or even death. This is pure milk, the word of God that brings health, that brings brings nourishment and, and, and life. It's interesting, the, the, the Greek word here that, that um, Peter uses here for the, the, the word is, 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 is logikos, right? Which, which kind of the word logical in, in English sort of comes from that. Again, Tom Schreiner talks about the, the relationship here with that. He says the means by which God sanctifies believers is through the mind, all right, now think about this. Stop. Romans 12, 2. What, is, what does Paul say there? He says, be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Right? So it's the word of God impacting our minds, transforming our, our minds. And so Schreiner says, the means by which God sanctifies believers is through the mind, through the continued proclamation of the word. Spiritual growth is not primarily mystical, but rational, and rational in the sense that it is informed and sustained by God's word. I have never met, in all of my years as a believer, all my years as a pastor, never met anyone who is a healthy, growing, on fire follower of Jesus who is not being transformed by the word of God. They're getting the word, right? They're, 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 they're being nourished and fed by the word of God. And, 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 and part of that is certainly our church family and, and, and we need expositional preaching where we're, <clears throat> where, where the word is unpacked and and where you know we're walking through books of the Bible and and and, and things like that in a larger group like like this, but 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 listen, the sort of a consistent theme that I've seen in, in growing believers, and even as an IMB trustee, and and just in in, in getting to know. Uh, Perspective missionaries that are going out around the world and kind of reading their testimonies and their stories. A, a consistent theme that comes through again and again and again and again and again is the role that a small group Bible study has played in their lives. You know, as they're as as you know, as we talked about earlier in our service about you know disciples making disciples. And so we, we need the, the word of God kind of not just individually isolated, but 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 we need it in group settings so that we can help one another and, and help one another grow, right? Disciples making disciples. Why why do we why do we avoid that? Sometimes we sometimes we you ever been through periods in your life where you just kind of avoid reading your Bible? Or you kind of avoid Bible study with others? 
Now, you may say, and I've said, it's because I'm busy. But in reality, you know what? We have all kinds of time to stare at a screen, right? Or to do other stuff. So ultimately, it's usually not time. A lot of times, it's because we're trying to avoid we're trying to avoid something because of the truth of the matter is that God's word can make us uncomfortable. The very thing that, the very thing that would produce health and life is sometimes the thing that makes us uncomfortable. You know, Tim Keller tells a story about a, a, a witch that lived in a, 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 a dense forest and there was this, she lived in a cottage, just a remote place, way out in the deep part of the, the woods. And, um, and in this fairy tale, uh, this, this witch would take in travelers. And she would kind of lure them, lure them in, these weary travelers. And the, the witch would, uh, would feed them just kind of a sumptuous meal. And, and then she would say, hey, I've got a, got a wonderful, comfortable bed for you, to, for you to sleep. And so these travelers would, would lie down in this bed and it was comfortable. I mean, it was just the type of bed where you just, just immediately felt almost enveloped by it and just go into a, a sound sleep. But see, it was all a ruse because if the person slept all the way until the sun came up, they would turn to stone. Well, the witch, the witch uh, had a little slave girl that she would use to do things for, and this little slave girl began to feel compassion for people. She didn't want to see anybody else turned into stone. And there was a young man that, that, that came in, and, and, the, and, and the witch fed him just a great meal, and she said, hey, there's your bed. Just lie down and sleep comfortably. And the, and the heart of this little slave girl went out to this young man, and she couldn't bear to see him turned into stone. And so when he, when he, when he lay down in, in bed all night long, uh, this little girl was kind of like tossing rocks and stuff. And she would, see him be, she would see him begin to kind of get really comfortable and drift off. And so she'd toss another rock or throw a stick or something, you know, and just kind of, she, she kept him restless and tossing and turning all night long so he wouldn't go to sleep. And, and then he, he, he got up long before the, the break of day. And, he, and he, was, he was getting out of there. And, and as he left, he, he, like, he, he lit into the slave girl. It's like, how in the world is this person supposed to sleep? And you were, you know, you were harassing me all night. And I could, I, could like, I could never get comfortable. But as he left, the little girl said under her breath, ah, the misery you know now is nothing like the infinitely greater misery a comfortable sleep would have brought upon you. Those were sticks and stones of love. We talked about in, in chapter one how sometimes the trials in our lives 
are actually painful gifts, right? They don't feel good at the time, but they're the very thing that we needed to wake us up and to get us out of our comfort zone and help us to grow. And that's kind of like the, the word of God because the word of God challenges us and it rips us out of our comfort zone, which, which can produce, it makes, us, it makes us uncomfortable and we want to try to avoid that. But yet when we do that, we're avoiding the very thing that we need the most. It's the word of God, right, that gives life and that brings health and growth. Let's pray together. Now, Father, as we, as we think about um, the new birth that you've, you've given us, given to those of us who know Christ, we, we pray that, that you would, would grow us. We pray for health, spiritual health in our lives. We pray that, that we would be growing in love for one another, and especially those within the family of God. Lord, give us a love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we're all in process. We're not always easy to love. Sometimes we're, taught, we're hard to love. We thank you that you, you loved us when, when we didn't deserve it. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you that you love sinners like us and that you continue to bear with us e- even when we mess up, um, even when we fall on our faces, even when we uh, do things that we know grie- grieve your heart, that you, you continue to bear with us in love. We, we pray that as we continually go back to the gospel, that you would give us that kind of love for brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we pray that we would not only be growing in love, but we would be growing by subtraction. <laughs> that things like malice and, 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 and envy and uh, uh, hypocrisy and and, and slander uh, would just have no place in our lives or, or in our community, in, in Christ, in our church, Lord, that these things would be, we would rid ourselves of these things and, and that, Lord, we would be growing by addition, that you would give us a, a craving for your word, that we would desire it because we know that it, it brings with it the, the life and the health that we need, and so we pray that you would help us to be be doing that, uh, not only as individuals as we as we read our Bibles, although that's incredibly vital. But Lord, we need one another. We need one another in the church family. Uh, we need we need s- smaller groups uh, where we can help one another in that. We need the the the, the larger group teaching of, of of your Word. Lord, we help give us give us a greater craving and desire for the pure milk of the word that brings health and, and life and that you would be glorified through it all. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need now and for all eternity. As someone once said, 
Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine, almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you wanna spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you to come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.